Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Our secret mission statement that we don't put on our website is to reclaim discipleship as a means for Christ to change the world because that's how he did it. And he spoke to the 5,000, but he spent his days and his years with 12. And so there was strategy in that. And I think as a leader of a massive organization where I get to mobilize people to do something, the thing we mobilize people to do at If Gathering is within the context of a local church to make disciples who make disciples. Right. At the end of If Gathering every year, everybody thinks we're sexy and cool. I'm like, listen, we are not that sexy and cool. We are doing old things, hopefully well, and we are training people to, to actually do the things that Jesus said to do. Welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. Gabe will join us shortly. This week, we're returning to the topic of discipleship, something we've discussed before, and we should, after all. The Great Commission, one of the last charges Jesus gave his disciples was to go and make disciples. But what does that mean? What did discipleship look like back then? And what does discipleship mean today? There's a lot of confusion around that. For a long time in many American churches, discipleship was equated with imparting a body of doctrinal truths. But does that truly bring about transformed lives that live out the principles and calling of the kingdom of God? To start today's show, let's go back to the Q2017 conference and listen to a portion of a talk given by Ed Stetzer, who is currently the executive director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. But back in 2017, he was at Lifeway Research and had just completed a study on effective discipleship. In this talk, he helps us to more properly define discipleship. What does discipleship look like? What's its future and how do we see changed people become change agents? That's what I want us to talk about for a few minutes. How do changed people become change agents and what's therefore the future of discipleship? Now the future is a difficult term because uh, we do a lot of research but I I can't say we can predict the future. Uh, what, What I want to talk about is some of the present and how it impacts the future. I can't make great predictions. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I actually work at a nonprofit organization. And so, but I, but I, I do want us to think deeply on what it means and how we might engage and think about ultimately the future of discipleship and how that ultimately is lived out in our lives, in our places of work, and in our ministries uh, along the way. Now, again, I think ultimately, if we're going to talk about this intersection of faith and ideas for the common good, we have to talk about the kind of Christian that we need. And we recognize that now we're in a season of a discipleship deficit. We have a discipleship deficiency, and we need to move people from being good religious people to instead make disciples living on mission. And I think ultimately we as Christian leaders need to live that. 
I think the elephant in evangelicalism and even beyond is that we often have a knowledge addiction with an application deficit. And so how do we move from people who are knowledge junkies who want to learn more obscurities from the Bible, but unengaged in mission, care, and showing the love of Christ to their neighbors? And I'm convinced that the answer to that is found that we might disciple them well and disciple them clearly. Now, why do we know this discipleship deficiency exists? Well, we can look at this from a statistical uh, percentage of what people answer. We, For example, 47% says someone has poured their lives into them to some degree that they've been discipled. The majority have not. 39% have never discipled anyone else. And overall, 43% have actually done neither. So ultimately, at the end of the day, if we're going to see the kind of stories that we've seen, valued, and treasured here at Q, it's going to be because people have been discipled and developed Christians end up doing Christ-like things. Developed Christians end up doing Christ-like things. And now the challenge is this, is how do you move from good people to actually servants? How do you see that transition takes place in people's lives? So the people might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, might not turn over a new leaf, but instead might receive new life. And as living an agent of that new life and a citizen of that new kingdom, they might join Jesus' mission in the world, and they might live as those who have been discipled. So moving people from seeing the Christian life as behavioral modification, a series of do this and don't do that, but instead to gospel-based living, shapes ultimately everything. It's moving people from being good people to servants, and that's primarily about them understanding rightly and clearly the gospel, what Christ has done on the cross for our sin in our place, uh, and not confusing that with our actions and our works. The gospel is not you do. The gospel is Jesus did. But because of what Jesus has done, we have been reconciled so we might become agents of reconciliation So that leads as an implication of the gospel to practical living. That leads to people determined to lead to transformation, and that ultimately changes everything. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. For surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Our desire is is that men and women might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They might be born again by its power, and then they might be taught all that Jesus commands, to live as Jesus lived. But we surveyed over 4,000 Protestants in North America who attended church. We're going to focus on a slice of that study. Uh, I'm going to talk about these eight attributes of discipleship that we saw and that were, that were present. But, but I'm going to focus in really on one of them. Because when we talk about ideas for the common good, we, we see this, this interesting correlation between serving God and others with some of the other things that take place. You see, what we found is, is ultimately that serving impacts growth. Uh, and serving, when people begin to serve, it impacts their spiritual growth and their spiritual formation because too often we have made discipleship a book when discipleship is actually a life following somebody else. For Christians, it's a life following Jesus on and in his mission in the world. So what we found is when people gave positive responses or often responses in or top responses in the other seven, uh, in the other seven areas we talked about, it correlated with serving God and others. Now, this is important because you and I both know that we have a lot of knowledgeable religious people called Christians who are often unengaged in the work of their Christ. 
But what we find is this, is when they take spiritual formation seriously, they take service seriously. And so that requires us to understand clearly the proclamation of the gospel, but also to help them to grow in the gospel. And we found that serving impacts their growth in the gospel. Service is both impactful of and impacted by transformational discipleship. So if you want people to grow, don't simply give them a book, take their hand, and serve the God you serve with them. And in doing so, growth begins to take place, begins to be real ultimately in their lives and in their journey along the way. These positive scores correlated with one another. Let's, let's take a look specifically at just a few of them. We, we've heard from the American Bible Society, we've heard from uh, Gabe and others about the importance of Bible engagement. Well, here, here's what I want you to know. Well, what, what we found is it's not just is Bible engagement important because we believe that Christians have a sacred set of scriptures that they read to be changed so that they might understand them deeply. But what we have found also is, is that they are correlated with serving God and others. In other words, these are not percentages, these are a score on a scale of 1 to 100, that when all scholars were the average, that the average was the same and similar in Bible reading, it wasn't actually serving others. But when people began to say, no, I'm engaging, I strongly agree that I am consistently engaging in the Scriptures. You know what we found? They were statistically significantly found to be also engaged in serving others. It impacts those along. You want Bible reading? Well, get them serving others, because in serving others, in the name of Christ, they understand just how important it is to know and to live the scriptures, obeying God and the dying self. The scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that let those who live no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. When we have ultimately denied ourselves and obeyed God, part of what God sends us to do in the world is to ultimately serve others. And we see the correlation between the two. We see the life change evident there. And we also see it in even sharing Christ. See, now this is a little tricky today in our culture today because some would desire Christians serving but not sharing. They would like for them to do good but not to tell of the one who calls them to do good. For some, they'd like a what has been called a naked public square where people leave their faith at home or at church. But, but that's both unhelpful biblically and though, though maybe not as important, it's also well, untenable statistically. What we have found is people who share Christ are people who are more statistically likely to actually serve others in the name of Christ. This ought not to surprise us. Gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration have been tied together in the life of the church and its ministry for a long, long time. And we want to live that. We don't want to separate those two because biblically we can and statistically we don't. Again, that was Ed Stetzer and a portion of a talk from Q2017 that you can watch in its entirety as a subscriber of the Q Media platform at qideas.org. And while he laid out the life-on-life principle of discipleship well, what does it mean now in the digital age and especially over the last year of the pandemic and the likelihood of our more digital future? Gabe Lyons joins us now. And Gabe, you and the Q team sought to think through that question this past November during one of the lengthy discussions during the Q&A virtual town hall, the video of which is still available on the Q Media platform. So if you're not a subscriber, you can hear and watch this hour and 15 minute conversation that we're going to show you nine minutes of 
through this podcast today on the topic of digital discipleship. Now, we know discipleship's a critical function of the church. It's the thing we all know we're supposed to be doing, but how many of us are doing it? And how do you do it in an age where everybody's looking at their phones half the day and our screen time's at like eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours? As you look at the data on the next generation, the phone is glued to our hands. And can you actually disciple through a phone? Can you disciple through virtual events? Can you disciple through virtual church? Is there something about life on life that's critical? And if so, how are we going to achieve that? How are we going to achieve that in a COVID era where getting together in rooms is deemed unsafe? And it's important that we recognize some of those dangers, but that we also keep pushing the church forward. So how are we going to do all that? That was the conversation we had with John Tyson, lead pastor of Church of the City, New York, originally from Adelaide, Australia. He's been around the Q community for so many years, such a great thought leader, combined with Jenny Allen. She's a Bible teacher, author, founder of If Gathering, passionate about discipleship. She's a New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, including her most recent Get Out of Your Head. And then we had Annie Downs. Many of you know Annie F. Downs, who's a bestselling author, but also hosts the That Sounds Fun podcast. She's been a part of this Q podcast. So you'll love hearing from Annie because so much of her platform is digital. It's podcast, it's social media, it's getting on Instagram stories and reels and communicating that way. So this is all part of our cultural context. But what are the challenges that come with that? And you're going to get to hear debate. You're going to get to hear some disagreement here and people describing back and forth. What is the definition of discipleship? Can you really accomplish it that way? How do we balance all this out? Let's listen in now. John, you you uh, are somebody who's written a lot about discipleship. And I mean, just help us frame up what, in your view, discipleship is, why it's so important. And then we'll jump into some more specifics. Okay, yeah. Dallas Willard uh, in The Greater Mission said that really churches only have to ask two questions. Number one, what is your plan for making disciples? And number two, how is that plan going? Mm-hmm. Discipleship is the heart of the church. It's, it's the, the thing that Jesus sort of told us to focus on. So it doesn't matter how much influence your church has. doesn't matter how much size, scope, resources... If your church is not good at making disciples, your church is not good, period. And uh, so we have to see it's the central thing that Christians are called to be about. I would simply define a disciple as somebody who is learning to, to think and to live and to love like Jesus. So they are, the, the old self, the self-life, is being conformed into the image of Jesus. So Paul says, I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So it's formation into the image of Jesus in all of life. Yes, and as we look at our current context, we've had a couple conversations already throughout this gathering around a failure of discipleship. People not really understanding authority, power, what prayer is, where we go for the source of of real truth. Um, I want to ask each of you, Annie and Jenny, just how have you seen this context over the last few years either display where there's been a lack of discipleship. I mean, would you, I mean, let's just all start on the same page. If we are that there has been a failure of discipleship in our churches. And is that something you would agree with? And if you've seen that, how have you seen that start to show up? I would absolutely agree with that. In fact, if gathering was created for that reason that we wanted to specifically our, our secret mission statement that we don't put on our website is to reclaim discipleship as a means for Christ to change the world because that's how he did it. And he spoke to the 5,000, but he spent his days and his years with 12. And so there was strategy in that. And I think as a leader, 
of a massive organization where I get to mobilize people to do something. The thing we mobilize people to do at If Gathering is within the context of a local church to make disciples who make disciples. Right. At the end of If Gathering every year, everybody thinks we're sexy and cool. I'm like, listen, we are not that sexy and cool. We are doing old things, hopefully well, and we are training people to to actually do the things that Jesus said to do. And so discipleship for me, and now it's interesting because I'm often holding microphones. I've got a podcast. I've got books. I've got all these things that are not life on life. And yet every single thing I build, I know that it is simply a tool for people to do life on life relational ministry. I'm not confused about my job. Like I am the servant to the people in the trenches doing the real work of ministry. I am not building a platform for myself. I'm building tools, whether I do a podcast or a huge event, it is simply a tool in the hands of lay people that are building disciples in their neighborhoods, in their churches. That is where the world is is going to be changed. What got me excited about this today was that we've spent a lot of time, and I've loved being here, Gabe. The content is incredible because we've got to be having these conversations. But we've spent so far a lot of time about talking about what's broken. And what I pray this is, is our way out. Because the truth is, there is a way out, and it's not new, it's old. And I wanted to show y'all something real quick just to kind of start this conversation. But but this is what I believe. Even though I lead hundreds of thousands of women, this is what I teach them <laughs> every year. This is what we talk about. So, so this is... I probably use these slides like I don't know how many times, a lot. Okay, so this is what happens. If each person, I lead 100,000 people at if minimum at an event gathering every year. So if those 100,000, so let's just take me. If I'm making two disciples that this year and that's winning in my real life, two people I love and know, and then the next year they each make two, we know this multiplies pretty quickly. So let's just see pretty quickly we're getting to 62 within three years, within five years of everybody discipling two people, we're now at 242 people in five years, just me, the two people I've discipled and that they're discipling. But now I'm getting to lead 100,000 people. Every week on a podcast, at a big event, I get to lead a lot of people. Now, if they all would just do this, what, what John just described as discipleship, the church would be okay. I mean, this is what happens within, you know, 100,000 people doing this, we have, what's the next slide? Two point, or no, 25 million people discipled within five years. Like, that's how we change the world. Like, we don't need to be confused. It is through discipleship. But those of us with platforms of any size, whether it's a church or a podcast or an event, we just have to realize this is what we're helping people do. And if they could believe this and buy into it. But it's got to be, to me, it's got to be life on life. And this might be where Annie and I spar a little. Because she really believes discipleship's happening online, which we might get in a fight about. But <laughs> Annie, you get, well, I don't have a I closer like teammate than Jenny. <laughs> yeah. And we yes. don't totally agree we on don't. this. Yeah. Which is and, fun. They yeah, were yeah. together on this. Yeah. But I would also say when you ask Gabe if discipleship is working, where there is a lack of wisdom, there's a lack of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so when you see people doing unwise things, my first question is, who's yeah. leading them? Mm-hmm. How, who, who are they answering to? Because if they're not having to answer to someone, that's why they're being dumb. Yeah. And so, and so yes, I think there is a discipleship problem now. What I will tell you is I am so sure that what we do online is leading people to Christ and is discipling them in a way that I give my life Mm. to do that. Mm. Now, do I have someone in town that disciples me and that I disciple? Yes. There is life on life. But but I am telling y'all, when people, when I, I just said this to John, 
All I do on my podcast is talk about how I'm reading the gospels and tens of thousand people, tens of thousands of people start reading the gospels with me. Mm -hmm. That is discipleship. Mm -hmm. They don't call me that. I don't call them that, but I'm now, can I sit and talk with all of them about what happened in Mark four? No, I can't. So it's not the, it's not life on life. But I am telling you, we can use the internet and our social media to disciple people toward Christ and believe that Jenny and John through if and through their church are bringing people around them that when they go, you know what? I do listen to this podcast or I follow this girl on Instagram. And and when I follow her, she told me to read the gospels. And then John taught on that same chapter. I wonder if that woman I get coffee with would talk about it with me. Yes. So we are actually a team, but I am very sure. And I'm I'm very sure that people in their 20s and 30s think they're being discipled online. Yeah. Whether it's what we call it, 40 plus, the 24-year-old thinks she's being discipled. Well, but, but, but I also think that's part of the problem. And I think that's where we, we yes. might disagree. That's okay to that's part is, of the problem. I agree with that. Yes. I think I agree with everything you said too, by the way. Um, I think what we've got though is the issue of, sorry, Gabe, we've got the issue of this is, I just want to get to this core issue because I think it's so important before we keep going, that that we've got a generation generation rising up that thinks that's discipleship. Like, that's also a problem. Because, I'm sorry, when I was 18 years old, Michelle Boast at Campus Crusade for Christ got in my face and said, learn master plan of evangelism. Learn what it looks like to understand and teach your Bible. Go do it in the Pi-Fi house. So I was doing that, coming back and forth. Then I walked into a meeting one day, and I was really arrogant, and I was talking about some things, and she looked at me and said, just like you have people that do, hey, Jenny, that was you took all the oxygen out of that room. And I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. As a leader, I had to grow up through that. And I think that's what I'm talking about is that, that rubbing life on life. Yeah. Well, we know that so I think the average person on Instagram right now, they're reading 27 minutes of content a day from Instagram and 11 minutes from all other sources. So, so wow. we know that discipleship's happening. I mean, to your point, Annie, whatever we have as inputs into our life that's guiding us, that's telling us this is what life's about, this is how you find meaning... So, so people are being discipled. Technology is part of that. Social media is part of it. Podcasts are part of it. But John, going back to your life on life vision of, of that in New York City, where you've been building a church for so many years, you know, it hasn't always been the thing churches wanted to talk about. I, I would say a decade ago. I mean, everybody would say, yeah, we do discipleship, but, but the rigor of discipleship on a daily basis in groups and what the chart, you know, Jenny has shown of one person discipling two and us starting to create formation in people's lives. Um, how have you come to find that? And especially with younger generations, because that's a lot of the people that are part of your church. Uh, what has been the challenge of it, but also what's been the reward of it? And describe what formation looks like in a church of the city type environment. Well, I wanted to start by saying I love love uh, your thoughts. I think they're really important. We've got to have multiple imports. And so right. what you basically need is a web of reinforcing mechanisms mm-hmm. that are pushing you towards, you know, the knowledge of God and the heart for God. So all of those inputs I think are important. I, I just want to pause for a second and say um, everything we're saying is true, but it's certainly not that easy.
Well, again, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot, and that was just a small portion of an over-hour-long discussion about discipleship in the digital age, featuring Jenny Allen of the If Gathering, Pastor John Tyson of Church of the City, New York, and writer and podcaster Annie F. Downs. And boy, Gabe, even that nine minutes, there was just a lot to take in. I'm telling you, it got more alive even from this point forward. And so I want you to hear the whole thing, and you can do that by going to qideas.org slash QA. When you go there, we're giving you free 30 days. So if you're not on Q Media right now, 30-day trial, go watch this. But there's so many other conversations that happened at Q&A you're going to have access to. Things like progressive Christianity and church history, censorship and conspiracy theories, prayer and revival, discussion with the next gen, a whole conversation around mental health for leaders. How do we think well about that and suicide right now? I mean, so many topics and conversations that these days are harder to find. And our goal with Q Media is to be creating space where you can learn, you can listen, you can understand, but you can also dialogue with those that are leading with you or that you're discipling, that are part of the people you're responsible to steward and that you're helping them think well about the world today, about the issues we're facing. Because if we as the church aren't thinking well, we have no hope to help others think well and to understand even biblically how to ground these conversations. I I was convicted when I heard John Tyson in this particular moment that we gave to you. He said, discipleship is the heart of the church. It's the thing that Jesus told us to focus on. But then he went on to say, it doesn't matter how much influence your church has. It doesn't matter how much size, scope, and resources. If your church is not good at making disciples, your church is not good, period. What a convicting statement for so many of us who are part of churches or maybe leaders at churches where for many years, maybe the wrong things have been the things that we've been counting, and we need to reassess that, and we need to double down on discipleship. We all know that to be true, but are we doing it? Well, how's it showing up in your life? How's it showing up in those that you're leading? And in discipleship, not only do we need to be being discipled with mentors, coaches, people in our life that are taking us to the Word of God, but we also have to be pouring out, not only into those around us, but our next generation, our children. And so at the heart of today's conversation, I hope is something that inspires you, encourages you, maybe challenges you or convicts you as you continue to lead forward and consider in this year, what are you shifting? What are you adjusting? How are you going to use the tools that we've been given to advance what God's called you to do? But how are we going to make sure we don't just relegate everything to digital, that we understand the power of life on life, the power of people watching what we do every day more than what we tell them to do. So I hope this encourages you and your spirit and you're exhorted today as you head forward into a world that needs more discipleship than ever. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.